Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions and the CareerPod team. This episode should provide you with valuable career information and insights. Today we are speaking with Suzette Stansring, the Executive Director of the National Society of Newspaper Columnists and a syndicated columnist and author herself. So welcome, Suzette. Uh, we appreciate your participation in CareerPod. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Okay. I wanted to get started by uh, having you tell us a little bit about your early life and your educational preparation. Well, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Both my parents were immigrants from the Philippines. And uh, I know we're talking about association management. Yeah. So it's you should know that I have everything in my career from being a legal secretary to running a professional organization and to becoming a journalist, all of that was done pretty much on my own because my father didn't have the money to send me to college. And I know we'll get into it a little bit more, but it's been a wonderful opportunity for me. I'm not sure it's as easy nowadays to do things without a college degree, but I'm 66 and back in the day, if anyone saw any promise in you, they'd give you a chance. That's great. So you pretty much learned on the job and uh, yes. were able to grow professionally yes. very nicely to, into a senior leadership role. Uh, I'd like to learn a little bit about the, you know, the basic tasks and responsibilities in the professional association management business. All right. My experience comes from directing formerly a legal organization of 1,500 lawyers and then recently running the um, National Society of Newspaper Columnists. And so if I had to distill down my duties, I would say it's all about organization. As the executive director, you're the hub. You're the heart. You keep things running smoothly. You're the one who's on top of deadlines. You are trying to figure out what needs to be done when and the outreach that needs to be performed in order to get the job done. It's really about relationship and an ability to be very organized with time and other people's schedules. (laughs) Okay. Suzette, what comes to my mind is like most professional associations, there is generally an annual meeting, let's say a national annual meeting, and I imagine that would take a lot of organizational skills to coordinate that. Did you have any of that type of uh, responsibility? Oh, yes, very much so. When I ran the organization for the lawyers in California, we had 10 meetings a year, the biggest one being our annual conference, which had 2,500 lawyers. And with my my journalist organization, every year we change to a new state because our membership is national, and so we try to accommodate all of our our members regionally. I will tell you that there was a time when you had to do it all by yourself, you know, hotel selection and all of that. But nowadays, I I think you should know that there are what they call third-party liaisons, people who you tell them what you need and they find the hotels specific to your needs and to the locale. So that's taken a big burden off of the executive director's shoulders. But 
Bottom line is, yes, you are responsible for everything. You work with committees, but it still falls on you to make sure that the programming is done, that the speakers are in place, and, you know, everything is um, set. I imagine your writing skills uh, have, have helped you really in, in an area like the, the newsletter. Do you have an annual or monthly newsletter? Yes, we do. We have a twice-monthly newsletter, and you will find that in many organizations now, yes. they break up tasks. And I have worked with Bonnie Jean Feldkamp, who is the media director. She's in charge of updating the website, of doing the okay. newsletter, but I often work with her regarding promotion and you know, I like to write the program descriptions. Right. And I think it comes from, you know, working in the past with putting together programs. You know, you have to find a compelling way to get people to come to your programs. And in the same way, you know, that kind of dynamic works when you're trying to when you're writing, when you're trying to get people to come to, you know, different events or whatever. It's the same kind of writing skill that, you know, is involved in column writing. How can you write short and compelling. Now, is there a, a like a national hub uh, for this organization? Uh, I know uh, you're in the Boston area, but um, and it's a national group. Did you have a local office? Did you work out of your home? How did that work? Well, with the with the NSNC, the columnists, yeah. they are a national group, and they end up they are incorporated in California, but their hub is always wherever the executive director is doing work. So it so happened okay. that when I took over in 2017, because I live near Boston, that became the mailing address and nope. you know the central place. That's how that worked. When I worked for the lawyers, they had a downtown address. That's fantastic. Uh what brought you to the Boston area, if, if I may ask? My husband. My husband is in biotech, and so we first, when we moved from California, we first lived in Connecticut and then New Jersey, and then finally he settled into a biotech company in Boston. And during that relocation, I decided yeah. that I wanted to, you know, do something different, and I went into journalism. But wouldn't you know, they found out I had a background in association right. management, and now I've come full circle again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a nice story. It really is a, a nice human story in terms of, you know, the changes and the moves that you, you made with your husband. That, that's really great. Uh, in terms of emerging technologies, um, has that played a role uh, in your position over the last uh, 15 years, let's say, has it changed your methods or the way you operate? It has. Social media has changed everything dramatically. Okay. Yeah. And it's constantly changing everything. It's gotten to the point where being the social media director is a full-time job just by itself. That's something that Bonnie does. Of course, I help her promote, but I, I can't tell you how important it has become. And even in journal, as a journalist, you know, papers are expecting you to do more, to have a blog, to tweet, you know, to be involved, maybe even do Instagram. Yeah, I mean, all these things through social media are now being asked in all fields, in the journalism field as well as association management, because that's the way you're getting things out and done. Sure. Being a self-starter and really a leader in terms of what's next this month for the association, does that have its challenges 
It does have its challenges. Uh, we had to cancel our in-person conference in Tulsa this past June. And now, okay. like everybody else, we're scrambling to try and get people to attend webinars. That's the big thing. Of Luckily course. for us, we have access as the executive director, I've been very fortunate, you know, that, you know, I also have access to big names who are, you know, who we try to persuade to be featured in a webinar or in our newsletter, okay. and it's a draw. And I think that we're a small organization, but we have managed to stay independent and strong when many other journalism organizations have gone out of existence or were swallowed yeah. up by bigger journalism organizations. That's the whole, you know, sort of the demise of the newspaper business. Right? It, it really has changed. But it's, it's wonderful that you, you're active in that group. And how do you select the theme and how do you find the speaker? Well, you know, like everything else, it's all about relationship. I really okay. feel that my training as an executive director with the lawyers right. gave me valuable lessons in outreach. People don't necessarily respond to you cold calling, but if they met you, if they knew you, if they somehow became acquainted, you know, they're they're more likely to, to listen. So I think it's really about, you don't have to be an outgoing personality, but you have right. to be someone who is genuinely interested in people. And I will okay. say that I don't really believe the newspaper industry is dying. I think it's actually going through an evolution right okay, before our very eyes. I'd like because, to hear more about that because yeah. you know maybe my my thought is just sort of what the average person on the street thinks, and I think you have, would have more of an inside view of that. So, what is this evolution? Well, when you think about it, there may not be print newspapers so much, but when you think about it, everybody's right. on their screen reading stuff, and right. most people who want legitimate news goes they go to legacy publications like Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, you know, things like that. The, the, the field is really, really crowded with news and so-called news sites that want to pander to, you know, a particular interest. But the bottom line is, it's in an evolution. We're, we're still getting our news just in, in a different way. And journalists yeah. have to adapt to that. Good point. Now, let's say, uh, well, the Boston Globe, you know, I live in the Boston area, and I know you do. I get the Weekend Globe, the real, the real paper delivered. But mm -hmm. I don't subscribe to their online, you know, service where it's a paid, like, $25 a month or something like that. So that's how they really get revenue, by charging the listener to see the whole paper on their screen online. And so I think a younger generation is so much more facile with that sort of thing. And yeah. I don't think that they're objecting to that. I think it's, you know, maybe, you know, my demographic, I'm 66, that we, yeah. you know, so, some of us still adhere to, we want to hold it in our hands. But, sure. you know, but getting back to, you know, association management, I think yeah. that there is definitely a, a very big aspect of you've got to be able to get the news out, whether it's now by social media or in the past, you know, you have to be able to write something that compels people to say, hmm, that sounds interesting. I think I want to go and check that out. In terms of uh, associations and the types of people you met, people who are column writers, can you reflect a little bit about what you think they're sort of a, a same type of thinking or doing uh, or, or writing techniques? Have you, could you get into that a little bit? 
Sure. Well, I think that um, the one thing about columnists, bloggers, essayists, is they're so individual. Being one of them, as well as have, having served as an executive director, I will tell you it's like herding cats, okay? <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> yeah. got their own idea. But yeah. the one thing that holds everybody together, and, and remember now, when we're talking about columnists, we're talking about people who write about lifestyle, politics, humor, religion, how-to, I mean health, science. Sports. I mean, it's vast. But sure. one thing that holds us together is we're a fact-based organization. We respect good research and excellent writing, and I think that's the linchpin with columnists. They take their veracity, being truthful, being factual, very seriously, even though they write in many different genres. Also, many of them uh, have leanings politically, uh, for example. Uh, You probably have experienced some of that. Oh, that's the nature of a columnist. Column writing, because it's personal, because you're writing from the pronoun of I think this, I believe right. that, I'm asking for that. It's very individual. Columnists, unlike reporters, are, uh, can be biased as long as you can back it up with facts. You know, oh, if that's you, a great and, point. Yeah, yeah. The, re- the reporter is facts alone, I would say. More like well, facts alone. Well, they're supposed to be. And I think that this is why there is so much um, controversy now with journalism, because it it would appear that too many reporters, you know, they think that, I think people mistake commentary with news. They don't really understand the difference. And and, and that's probably probably one of the problems now, that newspapers have to actually put on their pages opinion, because people think, look at that, that's news. They said it was news. But, you know... Sure. There can be a valid opinion on both sides. You just have to be able to back it up with facts, not just emotions. Terrific. So researching is a key skill. It I is. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, researching stuff that you know to that that really deepens the study or the examination of a particular topic, not just parroting what everybody else is saying. Sure. Well, the question I have that comes to my mind here, Suzette, is, uh, well, how could a person, let's say a younger person coming out of school or or even a mid-career person doing a job change, what skill sets and sort of um, style do they really have that would make them successful uh, in this this type of uh, career? Since we're talking about association management, I would say... While you're in your job search, it would be great if you could volunteer somewhere as okay. an intern, um, like a nonprofit or some or an organization that you are personally interested in. Again, great. it's all about relationship. When people yes. see that you are smart and resourceful and you have initiative and you can figure things out to the point where you could even suggest better ways of doing things without right. being pushy. You have to be able to read the room, too. Right. I would say you've got your foot in the door. You know, when when I began my career, I didn't start off as the executive director of this legal association. I actually started off back in the day when not everybody had a computer as a word processor. And I was okay. I was tidying up legal documents for lawyers. And right. then one day... Somebody who knew me in the field said, hey, 
this group is looking for an, a director, and I think you could do it. And I interviewed and got the job. I had no other experience other than I was a really good typist, you know, and a good legal <laughs> yeah. secretary. But they saw something in me, and I had, and I really believed that I could do that. I could, in my opinion, I felt like, what are you doing? You're just you're setting up events. I could do that. I can calendar and make events happen, you know. Sure. So, so if you feel that way. You know, you could volunteer and become valuable uh, and give a ch- chance for people to really see you in action. Well, I, I would think you have to be an, a, a, an outstanding communicator, though, and I think uh, just listening to you, uh, you certainly are because you're, you're weaving together many people around a sort of common uh, occupation or common theme. So uh, that would be good. Would a person who is... Uh, Let's say they're always a good writer from high school, and then, you know, in college they were an English major, and they were very good writers. Is that a key writer passage for this type of Well, I think that if you have a passion for writing, you feel you have something to say, you're going to work at your craft and you're going to get better. And, you know, as Carl Schultz, you know, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, once said, cream always rises to the top that way. However, nowadays in social media, you do have to be able to market yourself, as it were. And so it does help if you are a good communicator. But nowadays, so much communication is done on Instagram, on Twitter, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I know lots of brilliant writers who are actually pretty poor speakers in person, but okay. I think that so so I would say that if you communicate well in writing, if that's your lane, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to be a dynamic person. I right. think that it what you need is to be able to, you know, somehow get your convey your your thoughts across clearly whether it's in print or by speaking and you have to be intuitive about getting along with very different people some of whom are very difficult but i kind of like that i kind of really enjoy difficult people because for me it's a personal challenge you know sure to break through and develop that relationship uh it's a great great way to look at look at it in terms of um you know, association management, uh, what uh, is the most satisfying part of that work and the most frustrating part for you? I think that the most satisfying part is working with other people toward a common goal. And when you make something happen, it feels great. And I'll give you a perfect example. Now we're in yeah. Zoom. We've got to get webinars. Who are we going to get? How are we going to get these people to, to help us out, these, you know, big names? and. Right. You know, we did some brainstorming, and, you know, we were able to get George Will on board to do a webinar. We were able to get um, Amy Newmark, who is, um, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the editor-in-chief, to talk to us about, you know, that kind of good writing and what it takes. Those kind of things are really satisfying. What is really frustrating is when you are working with personalities who want to micromanage or they're rather aggressive or right. they're all about, I want the credit, I want the credit, you know. And my personal feeling about it is I don't care who gets the credit. Let's just get it done, you know. I mean, I can't tell you in the past how I've worked with micromanagers and I'll 
I'll float an idea, and they'll say, no, right off the bat, no, that's not, no, that's not going to work. And yeah. I say, well, is there any aspect to it that you think it might? And they will say a couple of good things, and I will say, wow, that's a great idea. Why don't we do it that way? Yeah, I, I hear you. That, that's fantastic. And yeah. also, but beneath <laughs> all of this is, is that you're deadline-driven, correct? Oh, yes. When you're an executive director or a writer, you've right. got to make the deadline, and you've got to think backwards in time of not just when it's due, but how much time do you need to get this done. And I, as a director, I always like to give people enough time. I never like to jam people at say, well, now I need this in two days, because it's unfair to them, and they don't like you when you do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> people who may want to go into this career and they want to look at it seriously, this would be association management I'm speaking of. What advice would you give them? I would say that, you know, it really comes down to who are you and what is it that you want to accomplish? And if that's the case, then show the people that you work with, you know, or have the power to help you with this, that you are capable you're going to learn along the way. I had to learn and make mistakes along the way, but I and I, but I have always kept my own eye open for the person who was to me the diamond in the rough, the person who seemed to have a natural talent or an ability or whatever, and they just needed a little practice and experience to get really good at it. I thought that still goes on in the workplace. You're still looking for people like that, and you know when I say, oh, be careful because then people don't like you if you're going to jam them with you know right. un, unreasonable demands you know you can't underestimate the power of when people know you're coming from a good place and you respect them they will do everything in their power to accommodate you it's when they think you're power playing with them yeah. that they become very uncooperative and you don't find you get the goals done so you know, it's really a fine line, and I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned is if you keep your eye on the ball, what is it that you want to accomplish, and try to take your ego out of it. Be a team okay. player. Right. And as you were saying earlier, um, entering into this field, the first thing that you mentioned was sort of the uh, uh, volunteer or maybe internship. has been yes. a, a big, big word in many fields. But yes. uh, it's really a fantastic way to get into the deep water and, and do the do the real work. And uh, I think, to me, that would sound like a good entry point for anyone who wanted to go into this field. And honestly, so many organizations really could use the help, but they don't have the budget. And so, sure. you know, for someone who's talented and purposeful to come in and say, I'm willing to learn and to do things, I have the time, oh, they'll take you up on it. And, you know, that's your chance to impress them. And when something comes up, an opening, you're first on the list because you're a known quantity. You're on site. Uh, they see your talent. And uh, it cuts out all the, the, the – sometimes we have a, a long duration, like in job search. You know, yes. people have a real difficulty in, in finding just that right fit. So uh, yes. the uh, – and as you look back in, in your career, Suzette, uh, what role, if any, has luck played, either good luck or bad luck? Well, I think I have to say, if you know, overall, I've been pretty lucky, 
but okay. at the same, you know, but at the same time, um, you can't underestimate the power of of good relationships. And I do feel that we do make our luck in so many ways. Being uh, effective at the right time and right place. Uh, you know, they say opportunity is where where luck um, meets hard work. The way I've oh, heard. Yeah, and I want to add this. Because my parents were immigrants, and because I didn't get a chance to go to college, I always had a sixth sense of knowing that I was going to have to work harder and be more resourceful. And so, therefore, I think I have the sixth sense of when, when I know an opportunity is being presented to me, and I act on it, because I feel that because I didn't have that background as a young woman, you know, I had to make the most of the chances that came my way. And so if I sensed a helpful person or something that I could do or whatever, I acted on it because I felt at the time I didn't have the luxury of a great degree to, you know, to throw, to kind of wave around. So, (laughs) you know, I feel like, you know, if you want to put it in layman's terms, you got to read the signs, read the signs (laughs) and act on them. Yeah, that's great. So I I know uh, we spoke earlier as well in terms of your future goals. I know one of them is is, is about writing. And could you just tell us a little bit about these, what your next major goal is going to be? Well, yes, you know I wrote two nonfiction books: the art of column writing and the art of opinion writing. And okay. now I want to veer in the direction of fiction. And so I'm working on a novel that I have had in the works since 2003. And it's, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's based on my grandfather, who was a Spanish Catholic priest in the Philippines, who fathered okay. nine children with my grandmother, but never <laughs> left the priesthood. And that's oh all God. I really know. And so therefore, I'm going to hang the meat on that skeleton as I see fit. <laughs> that's, that's good. And, and you're going to, uh, It'll be fiction, though, but sort of you you already know the theme and the direction you're going in. Yeah, it is a true story, but you no, know, I want to write it in a way that makes the reader understand. Now, how could that happen? <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. Anyway, uh, well, Suzette, uh, you have given a career pod an insightful look into the field of association management and um, being a syndicated columnist. Uh, this is valuable information for anybody who's considering a career in these this area. Um, again, I want to thank you very much for your input and your participation in CareerPod. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. <laughs>